you know, last week, the last couple weeks, we've been saying, you know, pray about, uh, you know, getting a building. And, and I got to tell you, um, it started off a couple weeks ago with a $5,000 check uh, from another church in town. That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And, you know, it, it went all the way through till last Sunday. We're, we're sitting at, like, $8,300, and, you know, we need to raise, raise $9,600. And it's, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm thinking, how did how did we raise $8,300? That's just stupid. I mean, look around. <laughs> Obviously, it's from God, you know. And, and, but I'm sitting there, and it's 2, 2.30 in the afternoon, $8,300. I'm like, it's not 96, but, you know, we're, we're pretty dang close. And I'm feeling one of those things where it's like, cool, but, man, we're not there yet, but cool, you know, like, awesome. And I'm sitting there in the middle of that thought, just laying on the couch, just kind of vegging out. And I literally get a text from one of my friends. And he goes, hey, where are you at? And, and, and I'm like, 83, and he's, he's like, cool, um, we just sold a house in Kansas, we'll cover the rest. And I'm like, you know, that's how God works. That, that's what he does. Um, we've known, and Garrett was speaking about it, you know, we know that God has a plan for, for our church and for our body. Um, you know, my friend and I, Jonathan, wrote a book called Crabgrass and Oak Trees. And this is a message that I will be talking about until I die. Because it's just how Christ works. Because our friend sold a house in Kansas, the money was passed along this root system called rhizome, the body of Christ, all the way to Greeley, where God knew we needed it. There was an abundance of resources here that was passed over to a lacking resource. And, and it was beautiful. This is how the body of Christ works. Whether it's Mexico, Kansas, or Wyoming even, it's one body. And, and, and Jesus loves his body and he cares for his body. Um, we had um, a church in Pueblo, uh, Pearl, which is Jonathan's church. Shannon, his wife, um, does this cool window art now. It's just really, really cool. And she spray paints it. She's such a good artist. And, and I said, can you make us one? She goes, what do you want it to say? I'm like, love, somehow, just love. Because to me, this is everything that, that we, we represent here. I mean, we represent Jesus Christ. Love, you know, what does Jesus do for us? Love, I can't, I can't think of anything um, more fitting than this, and especially for where we're at as church project and what God's calling us to do and be a part of. Man, how many of you just feel love from Jesus? I do, and I jack up every single day, and I imagine you do too. If not, then maybe you should be up here teaching, you know. But, but. Because I jack up, not because, but even though I jack up, God loves me. Can you, can, does that make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to me. I want us to go through, we're, we're in 1 Peter 4, and we're going through the verse, the first six verses. What are you smiling at? My wife didn't know, my wife didn't know what right? jacked up now. Jacked up. <laughs> All right, well, this week. I'm not so like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jack. No, it doesn't mean all buff like I am. It doesn't mean I am. 
Garrett's jacked up. Ooh, yeah, Darlene's jacked up. Ooh. Oh, it's like no. Okay, here, let's put it in churchy words. All right. This this last week, I was with Zoe at camp, and I did archery. And and whenever you miss the bullet, the the, the, the whatever. No bullets in archery. No bullets in archery. The target is called sin. Uh, when you don't hit the perfect target, and so I sinned a lot this week because I didn't hit that target very much at all, and I sinned uh, there. I didn't hit the target. No, no, I, that's jacking up. When I when I don't miss when I when I don't make that mark that Jesus set for me, I, I, I sin all the time. And and Jesus, even though I sin, still loves me, and, and He still loves you guys. And so, Jeremy, thank you for that song, and I pray our life is does. Bird potter for Jesus Christ. Let's get right into these verses because I want to fly through them. These have messed me up this week. This is where it felt. So here we are. We're gonna. One of the things I like about going through the Bible is here we are. You know what we're going through next. And so we're going through the first six verses. For for some of you, um, it may be a little bit challenging, but you know what? This is what I want you to keep in mind right here. Love, love. Jesus loves you uncontrollably. He loves you. And He's chasing after you. So let's read these verses and then, I'll, then I want to come back there and just pick them apart a little bit. Alright, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in His body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Because He who has suffered in His body is done with sin. As a result, He does not live the rest of His earthly life for evil human desires but rather for the will of God. Verse 3, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse upon you. On you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the Spirit. This is a thick, thick six verses. And I wrestled over this a lot this week. I, I really have. There's so much in here. And so one of the joys of me speaking is I get to highlight kind of some of the things I want to highlight. Um, but hopefully what happens is this. is you realize I'm not, I'm not the master ultimate authority in this. Like what I speak is what God is showing me and teaching me. But if you take my word for just my word and walk off and live your life according to that, you've missed the great joy of, of Scripture. And the great joy of Scripture is God wants to speak up to you personally. He wants you to pick up the Bible. He wants you to read this thing. He wants you to study it. He wants you to, to learn about it. He wants to speak to you. So if anything happens today, this is what I hope happens. I hope a love for Scripture falls in your heart and in your mind today. So this afternoon when you go home, you're like, Aaron was messed up. I'm going to read this, you know, or whatever. I, I pray that you fall in love with the scripture today. So let's look at verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. If you're taking notes or following along on your version, Sarah, this is called your attitude sucks. Yes, we're going to say that in church. Your attitude sucks. That's the title of this message, okay? We see how you freezing. 
You're a little cold. You want me to turn it off? Yes. I want to give us the context once again. First Peter is this. It's a bunch of Christians that are suffering. And, and Peter's writing to them saying, You're, you will suffer. In fact, you may be burned alive for what you believe in. Suck it up. <laughs> That's what he says. He says you got to believe what you believe and you got to walk it out. And, and, and kind of in context of 1 Peter, this whole book, he's saying here's how to be strong when you're suffering. Because as Christians you will suffer. So here's how to do it. Here's how to live. Here's how to walk through this. When, when you start getting condemned, when people start making fun of you, when all this stuff starts happening, here's how to stand up when condemnation and suffering comes upon you, okay? So in verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered, underline suffered, um, if you've seen uh, The Passion of the Christ, the, you know, that movie or whatever, uh, you know what suffering looks like. Um, if you've read the Bible, you know that, that Jesus, even though that the man Jesus, even though he didn't deserve it, for our sake, was drugged around, drugged around on roads, beat up, whipped, ultimately killed. I mean, one of the worst deaths you can think of, hanging on a cross, he suffered. He suffered intensely. He gave everything he could. He gave his life for us because he loved us so much. He suffered for us. And that's just the one-time incident. Like, I think any of us, you know, for one time, we can be bold enough to be martyrs, take a bullet, get beaten, have a bad day, die, okay? But what about that every single day of suffering? What about that slow Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday suffering? The suffering that's just subtle and is hard to stand up under. Christ did that too. He walked this earth. He taught us and He showed us what it means to, to suffer and how to stand up in that. Death of Christ was brutal. His death, but His daily suffering was just as, as brutal. I don't know about you, but if, if you're like me, I, I can get mad really, really quick. And this is a good way to get me mad. Blame me for something I haven't done. <laughs> like, seriously. I'm walking around. I'm trying to do all the right things. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. And then you blame me for something I haven't done. I'm like, whoa. Like, I'll blow up and cross, crossfit your face. I'm like, here I come, you know. And I don't know if, that's, if, if it's like that for you. But blame me for something that I haven't done. And I'm coming at you. Like, I, like it's, I don't know. It's just like a side swipe I wasn't expecting. And I thought I was doing the right thing. And now you're blaming me. And we've all probably been in this scenario. But I'm thinking of Christ here. I mean, he was blamed to the point of death. He's God. He did not deserve this. He, he deserved to say, I'm God, and the world bow down to me and force us to do it. But he did not. He suffered. And he showed us how to suffer. And First Peter is sitting here writing and, t- and telling us and teaching us how to suffer. And we don't do it just because, but we do it because Jesus has done it. And he shows us how to do it. If you think back into, into, um, into the teaching uh, Paul is writing to Timothy and he's instructing him. Timothy is a pastor in the church of Ephesus and in 2 Timothy of, um, chapter 1, verse 8, he says this. Paul writes to Timothy and says, join, me, uh, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. I think of that and I go, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Can we suffer on our own and by our own strength? Heck no, we cannot, I will fail. But in the power of God, we can suffer. This, isn't this such a cool message? It's like, yeah, we're going to suffer. Yeah, <laughs> we, might, we might die. Yeah, all right, okay. All right, let's go. 
was joking. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same... What does your Bible say? No one is following along. I'm like that bad teacher. Attitude. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. I think of attitude, and I think of, of Peter here telling us to arm ourselves with the same attitude of Jesus Christ. Jesus suffered. And so Peter is saying, here's how to suffer. Get the same attitude that Jesus had when he was suffering. What does that mean? That means have the same thought. Have the same mindset. Be like Christ. In essence, what's it saying is reprogram what we've been thinking our whole life. The world doesn't say suffer and enjoy it. The world says go beat someone up and be number one. And this is, this is contrary to what we're reading in Scripture. So let's read this again. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Underline done with sin. This is confusing. And this is the good part where you get to go home and pick this apart in scripture. But done with sin. Christ suffered and tells us as, as Christians that we will suffer as well. And when we have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had when he suffered, nothing is greater than love. And he had the attitude of love when he was suffering. Jeremy and I got in a conversation a couple weeks ago with someone who took this verse and really just kind of distorted it. And what he was saying was, he said, literally, when, when you become a, a Christian, you, you, you will never sin again. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, it's right here. I'm like, he says, it's, you're done with sin. And I'm like, what? And, and so I asked him a question. I said, so have you ever sinned or jacked up <laughs> and he goes well yeah I'm like well now that you're a Christian you say you're done with sin you'll never sin again and you're perfect are, are you that and he's like no not really I'm like man alright I'm done with your conversation it's like we will mess up we will jack up okay I promise you today you will probably sin you will probably mess up but God's love comes down and his grace comes down and he says I know that you're going to mess up and it's alright it's not your ticket to go out and just live wild and be all crazy and stuff. But he does say, because you sin, I've given you this grace. I've given you this love. And I've died for that already. I love you. And this verse is not saying that once you're a Christian, you're done saying that's it. You're going to be perfect the rest of your life. It doesn't say that at all. It does describe a beautiful thing called grace. And as Christians, when we get the love of Jesus Christ, it is beautiful when we have the same attitude of Jesus Christ, we make a clean break with sin. Because sin is just not as attractive to us anymore. We're not held in bondage to that sin. We will mess up. We will sin. We will do things that go against God's word. We will. But it's just not as attractive to us anymore. Because we know what true love is. And that is overriding any other aspect of our life. So are we done with sin and then we'll never do it again? No, we will. Probably today. <laughs> Probably. But what we are done with is the bondage of that sin. Amen. And the death of that sin. That's freeing to me. Yeah. I get excited when I read that. This world says, if you hit me, I'm going to slap you. 
And my heart starts racing and I start plotting ways to get back at you because you hurt me. The Bible says when you hit me, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you. And I'm not held in bondage to that sin anymore. Woo! <laughs> Alright, verse 2. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. I want to look at the will of God here. The Bible talks a lot about the will of God in our lives. And one scenario is Jesus in the, in the garden. He's praying right before he's crucified. And he says, God, can you take this from me? But if not, your will. Your will in my life. Sometimes the will of God is going to be hard. I mean, Jesus knew that the will of God was for him to go die on the cross. Any of you want to sign up for that right now? Sometimes that's going to be hard. In 1 Peter um, chapter 3, verse 17, we just looked at last week, says, or two weeks ago, says this. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. It is better. We will suffer in this life. However, our attitude... The attitude we have when we suffer points to the will of God. If we are focused on Him, His will for our lives are clear. It's clear if we're focused on God and suffering comes upon us. So then when verses like, um, you know, have no other gods before me and love your neighbor as yourself, they mean intimately more. They mean infinitely more to us when we have the attitude of Jesus Christ. Because we know what God's will in our life is. Because we're focused on the man of Jesus Christ and what he's called us to do. And it's a joy to live that life and to seek his will and to align our life with his will. Does that make sense? If not, sorry. All right, verse 3. What? What are you laughing at? I love life. It's great life. You love life? Yes. Okay, cool. All right, verse 3. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery. And debauchery just means extreme indulgence. Lust. Well, everyone knows what that is. Drunkenness. Orgies. Carousing. Did I say that right? Carousing? I think so. Which means to engage in boisterous, drunken merrymaking. Wow, that's a cool title, man. Carousing. What are you doing? I'm engaging in boisterous, drunken merrymaking. <laughs> um, and detestable idolatry. So what does this, this say? For you have spent enough time. So how old are you? Right now, how old are you? You don't have to say it out loud. Like, I'm, I'm 27. How old are you? <laughs> Your age right now? You know what it means to choose to go against God. I don't care if you're six. I don't care if you're 106. You know what it, what it is to choose to go against God. For you have spent enough time in the past. Like you're alive. You have a past right now. Okay, You've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Living in debauchery, all this stuff. Drunkenness, all this stuff. Um, some people say... This, and you've probably heard this. I have as a pastor many, many times. I've heard people say, I will stop doing this, these things, then I'll give my life to Christ. Like, once I stop doing these things, then I'm good enough to give my life to Jesus Christ. Jesus says, follow me, and I'll give you a story so much bigger than any of the desires of these sins, of these things. Like, literally, if you give your life to me, and you start following me, and you start finding out what true and ultimate love is, you're going to walk, and you're going to be part of a story that's bigger than any desire on this earth. 
It's going to be bigger than your desire to go out and get drunk every single night. It's just going to be bigger. Can you go get drunk? Yeah, you can. Will you want to if you know the love of Jesus Christ? Not if you're walking in it every day. Because that drunken stover right there and that party atmosphere and everything else that's happening, the lust, the things that are talked about here, they just don't sound good anymore. Because you know a story and you're part of a story bigger than anything else. And that's the love of Jesus Christ. This world is, is, is kind of messed up. It really, really is. There's so much pain in this world. I don't know who I was talking about. Maybe Rory last night. I don't know. About the guy, the Raider guy who, who, yeah. who was it Rory with you guys? The, the, the fan, the preseason game. All right, in the parking lot. You know, one of the guys says, my team's better than you. And the other guy says, oh, yeah. The Raider fan shot him in the face. Okay. Preseason game. Is this football? Like, is this worth it? This world is messed up, and I gotta believe that if, if those individuals, especially the one with the gun, okay, if he was part of a story bigger than himself and he knew ultimate love, football would mean jack squat to him. Sorry, Carl. I'm here. You are here. I'm proud of you, bro. You're like, speed this dog up, man. Football's going I got you. I got you. Let's go to verse 4. You get it. You know that if you're part of a bigger story, that the desires of this earth are going to seem meaningless. Verse 4 through 6. Let's just read these. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, which means understirring indulgence. I had fun looking up words this week. And they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to who? To him. Who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God, <coughs> excuse me, in regard to the spirit. What I love about these verses right here is the to him part. Are you my judge? Are you? Should you be the judge of anyone that is walking through and, and being drunk and orgies and, 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 and on and on and on? Can you, do you have the right to go and to judge someone that's wronged you? Are you any better? Are we any better? I love to hold grudges. I love to get even. I love it. But what I love even more is that verses 4 through 6 frees us from that bondage of holding grudges against people and to judge them. What verses 4 through 6 says is, Hey, Aaron, I'm God and I love you. You messed up and I love you. And your neighbors and everyone you know, they messed up too. You're not their judge. Are you loving them? Like seriously loving them? Walking with them every step of the, of the day? Everything that they're going through? Are you loving them? It's to Him, not to us. And then the other part of these verses here, so we can get to the NFL, is gospel. <laughs> Verse 6, For this is the reason the gospel was preached. The gospel to me, these are my words, 
Okay, the gospel to me is an ultimate love story. We were down and out. Okay? He came, Jesus came, and swept us off our feet. We need him and he loves us. That makes a good movie script right there. That's the gospel. We need him and he loves us. As you look through these verses, I, I kinda I skipped through a lot of a lot a lot of good stuff in here, but for the sake of going crazy long, I just I kinda want to wrap it up right here. There's so much more that we could dig out of these verses and Hopefully, like I said earlier, you'll, you'll go home and this week you'll just kind of pick these apart. Because if you do, God's going to show you some really, really cool stuff in, in, in these verses. But from here on, from here on, we can walk around free from bondage. The bondage of sin. If we've called on the name of Jesus Christ, He has given us the ultimate love. And it gives us permission to walk around free from the bondage of sin. That's exciting. And it also means you don't have to go around judging everyone for sinning either. You're not their judge. God loves them. You should probably love them. From here on, we can walk around injecting hope into despair. Greeley is full of despair, isn't it? There's lives all around us that are full of despair. They're down and out. They don't know what to do. Their life is in a spiral mode. They're trying everything that they can because they're just not part of the ultimate love story. And they're not part of the story of Jesus Christ. And they don't feel loved and cherished. We, as Christians, get to walk around and love them and inject hope into despair. That's why we're here. That's why we're in Greeley. And honestly, Garrett, that's why God is sending you to Wyoming. So you can inject hope into despair. It's the way the body of Christ works. That's why you guys are down in Houston. We get to inject hope into despair. That's exciting for me. From here on out, our attitude should be an attitude of love. Not a sucky attitude. There's enough of that suckiness going around. Jeremy, if, if you can come up and, and just just kind of lead us in some songs. We, we have so much to be thankful for. Everyone look at your hand. It moves. Thank God it moves. That alone is enough. But even though we have that hand, Jesus has invited us into an ultimate love story, and that is awesome. Thank you, God, for that. And then let's get down to the superficial jump. Like God even provided money for a building for us. Thank you, God. Right? We have so much to celebrate. And I pray today you celebrate being a part of the ultimate love story of Jesus Christ, because it's good.